You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Lawful intercept tools are found prospecting Android... Sinak calls shenanigans on Shazam, but maybe no harm, no foul. Insider threats and how to mitigate them. If you've got a facility clearance, you've got a deadline coming up. Arlington Capital merges three of its companies into a new cyber shop. Symantec is rumored to be sniffing at LifeLock. A teenager cops to the Talk Talk hack, and if you're asking for a friend, the tally of accounts affected by the adult friend finder breach hits $412 million. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, November 16th, 2016. A new strain of lawful intercept spyware appears to be targeting Android devices. The manufacturer is not hacking team, however, as some had initially suspected. It's instead thought to be a different Italian company. But attribution remains both circumstantial based on some apparently identifying names in the code and preliminary. Sinak points out that the Mac version of music-identifying tool Shazam keeps recording even when it's switched off. It just stops processing. Shazam says this is a benign behavior, but that out of sensitivity to user concerns, it will update its software in a few days. The Carbonac cyber gang, known for attacks on banks, has turned its attention to the hospitality sector. Trustwave has a rundown on the criminal campaign, which still begins with social engineering. Carbonac, also known as Anunac, is thought to have skimmed around a billion dollars from banks, so the threat is not to be taken lightly. Social engineering notoriously is able to turn good people into insider threats. The insider threat phenomenon is getting a lot of attention this month, particularly in the United States, where a change to the National Industrial Security Program, NISPOM, mandates new measures companies must take to secure classified information. On May 18, 2016, the Department of Defense issued Change 2 to NISPOM, and this is significant because it requires contractors to implement an insider threat program no later than November 30, 2016. We're, of course, just two weeks away from that deadline, and yesterday the Chesapeake Regional Technology Council convened a panel of experts on the insider threat at the Chesapeake Innovation Center in Odenton, Maryland, to give companies some perspective on what NISPOM Change 2 means to them. In outline, the requirements seem simple enough to state, as Tanager's Mike Miller laid them out at the forum. First, establish an insider threat program. Second, designate an insider threat senior official who must be an employee, a U.S. citizen cleared in connection with and to the level of the facility clearance. Report insider threat information to the Cognizant Security Authority, train relevant personnel, provide pertinent records, and implement protective measures. But as always, the devil is in the details. Sean Thompson of the Insider Threat Management Group pointed out that insider threat management has significant cultural implications for any business. Privacy, human resources policies, recruiting, and morale are all in play when you devise an insider threat mitigation program. 
and the process is complicated in part because law and regulation are complicated and often operate at cross or at least competing purposes. Keith Moolsdale of Whiteford Taylor Preston told us, quote, Indeed, the laws are complex and daunting. If only the federal government would step in with an omnibus law and put us all out of our misery, end quote, which we think he meant in a good way, as in good nutrition and a roof over our heads, not euthanasia. Moolsdale went on to say, In the meantime, the best advice for a small USA business is to keep in mind that written notice, coupled with express consent, can solve most but not all privacy-related risks arising from industry-standard data security programs implemented in the workplace. We also checked in with Stephen Grossman from Bay Dynamics for his take on NISPOM Change 2. The NISPOM 2 changes that are going into effect at the end of November are an important step in the right direction. What it does is it raises visibility and it highlights the importance of the insider threat. It's a great first step in that they're advising and implementing training um, and monitoring of contractors by their employers, that is the the consultants or or the other firms that are employing them. Um, And that's a great first step to be able to identify people that may be a potential insider threat. The important next step for them to take is to connect the dots between that behavior that 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 employee is doing on the, for their employer, for the contractor, with that that they're doing on the client side. That is, when they're on the government network um, and they're working on the the government's platform and on site at the government's offices, um, that they be able to monitor the behavior there and connect the dot with what's going on back at at their own employer um, so that you have a full profile of, of the person and you understand what's going on um, across the board. And what that does also is that enables you to distribute the load of, of monitoring and security, uh, incorporating your partners and your, and your uh, consultants uh, who have a vested interest in, in making sure that they're doing the right thing for you as well. When, when people fall short despite their best efforts, where are the areas where they uh, usually um, have trouble? That's a great question. I mean, it's a difficult challenge in that, you know, very often people are not tripping, uh, tripping alarms. They're not violating policies necessarily. They may just be doing things that are out of profile for themselves. And so what we've found is very often uh, it's left to the SOC, right, the operations center, to kind of figure it all out. And the SOC is missing a very important piece of the puzzle, and that is business context. And so... Uh, a SOC operator who's responding to a potential insider threat may see a tool uh, like our own or others that, that are identifying unusual behavior. Uh, what they're often missing is the business context of whether that unusual behavior is really bad or whether that unusual behavior is really truly unusual. Right? And the, the only person that really can provide that is the person who has the, uh, the understanding and the knowledge of the application, that being the application security owner. The other, uh, the other area that very often uh, companies fall short is connecting the dots between that insider threat and their assets and their data, uh, as well as the vulnerabilities on the system to be able to really provide a complete view of of risk. User activity in isolation um, is just user activity and and user behavior analytics just adds more alerts to the pile if not put in the right context of of business and vulnerabilities. That's Stephen Grossman from Bay Dynamics. In industry news, Arlington Capital, advised by the Chertoff Group, assembles a new cybersecurity firm, Polaris Alpha, from EOIR, Intelligence Software Solutions, and Proteus Technologies. The new company's headquarters will be divided between Fredericksburg, Virginia, and Colorado Springs.
Elsewhere, CRN reports rumors that security company Symantec may be considering buying the identity protection shop LifeLock for as much as $2 billion. In policy news, Germany's new cybersecurity strategy is attracting attention in Berlin and elsewhere. It appears to exhibit familiar tensions. Calls for public-private partnership, but without clarity about how such might be realized, and a simultaneous commitment to both widely available strong encryption and to the ability of security and legal agencies to access communications in cases of need. How that latter circle might be squared remains to be seen. In the U.S., NSA Director Rogers reiterates his long-standing call for closer cooperation between the intelligence community and private industry. And as the transition team gets down to business, lobbyists are already approaching the incoming administration to advocate strong encryption and limits on surveillance. A British teen has copped to the Talk Talk hack. The 17-year-old boy, whose identity is decently shielded by Her Majesty's Law, will be sentenced next month. He apparently told a friend he was in big trouble on the day of the hack itself. Events have proved him, sadly, right. Finally, the tally from the adult friend finder breach has been creeping up, reaching a reported 412 million if you're keeping score at home. Spread the word among your 412 million friends. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, I, I an article came by. It was from Engineering and Technology magazine, and it was called Cryptography Could Get a Boost from Photonic Technology. Uh, it was, looks like uh, some, some uh, researchers were trying to, uh, to do some cryptography making use of light. What do you make of this? Well, I only took a look at the news article. I haven't looked at the research paper uh, on which the article is based. But from the look of it, it sounded like what they were trying to do is to do cryptography in a continuous domain uh, using light and using physical properties of light rather than what we typically do, which is to think about cryptography in a digital domain where the ciphertext just consists of zeros and ones. 
in the continuous domain, does that mean there are more variables that you can that you can use to uh, to to get your randomness, if you will? Yeah, you can think about that. I mean, uh, basically, uh, the key that you that the two parties would share would now be uh, from chosen from a continuous set of probability uh, of possibilities, which gives you more uh, more possibilities for that key, uh, thereby presumably making it a little bit more difficult for an attacker to attack. Uh, other than that, however, it seemed to me, as far as what I can read in the uh, in the news article, that they were essentially doing something very similar to the uh, one-time pad which is a classical scheme that goes back to Shannon uh, in the 1950s. So in the article here, it says that they, that they did attack this system. Did they have any success? They did. I mean, what's interesting is apparently there's been some research going on in this area for a couple of years. But it looked to me, again, like these attacks were very similar to known attacks on the one-time pad. Uh, they were basically allowing the researchers to learn the key after observing a couple of encryptions of known plaintext. Uh, and also to learn the key after uh, a couple of decryptions of known ciphertext. And these are all kind of standard attacks that have been applied in the um, digital domain to the one-time pad, and it looks like now they're just applying it to the continuous domain as well. Let's dig in a little bit to that. Can you sort of describe to us what, what's the difference between the digital domain and the continuous domain? Well, in the digital domain, you have uh, data just represented by a sequence of zeros and ones. So, you know, your message will be represented by a bunch of zeros and ones. Your key would be a bunch of zeros and ones. And then the ciphertext that you get from encrypting uh, would also just be a, a sequence of zeros and ones. And this, of course, is how we think about things being stored on a computer uh, and being transmitted over the Internet. But, of course, it's also possible to have things uh, in the continuous domain, right, where basically something that you measure can take on, say, any value uh, in a given range and not limited to a finite set of possibilities. So you think about, just as an example, measuring the wavelength of light. Uh, so the wavelength of light is um, not limited to some discrete set of possibilities. Instead, it can take you know any value in a very large range, actually. And so you can imagine packing more information into that, into that light uh, than we can do with digital information. But of course, this also means that you need physical mechanisms to store and transmit that uh, information, and you can't easily store it in a computer or transmit it on the computer networks we have today. So at some point, that, that information from the continuous domain, would it have to be converted to a digital domain? Uh, well, most likely, uh, for practical scenarios, it would have to be. I mean, in, in principle, right, you could just imagine um, uh, having somebody look at it at the other end, but that's not likely to be very useful. So yeah, you're right, that ultimately you would probably have to start with it in a digital domain and then transfer it, uh, transform it to a continuous domain, and then at the other end, similarly, you're going to receive something and then convert it back to the digital domain for further processing by a computer. So that's true, actually, that from that point, point of view, everything ultimately nowadays is going to end up back in the, uh, in, in the digital domain. All right. Interesting stuff. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. 
Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Mm-hmm.